this episode, Roy and I take a look at the 50th anniversary of the release of Sgt. Pepper, the debut of the Beatles on Sirius with a 24-hour channel, and the science of the Sgt. Pepper's album. Uh, we also take a look at <coughs> the issue of uh, artificial intelligence, com tech, or compliance technology, as it might apply to some of the more mundane functions of compliance. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox. I'm the Compliance Evangelist, and I'm back with my good friend, Roy Snell, the CEO of the SCCE, Society of Corporate Compliance and Ethics, for another episode of Unfair and Unbalanced, our podcast about all things for the compliance profession. Roy, welcome. Uh, good morning, Tom. Uh, I'm looking forward to this. Okay, Tom, I want to I want to tell you an absolutely uh, interesting fact that you may not be aware of. That's really relevant uh, to our podcast today. Do you know that Sirius XM just added a 24 uh, hour channel dedicated solely to the Beatles music. You know, actually, I, I, I had heard that announcement, Roy, and uh, I think it's a long overdue, uh, <laughs> a great uh, addition to the Sirius uh, family. Um, and in honor of Sergeant Pepper's 50th uh, birthday this year, I think it's uh, uh, kudos to Sirius for uh, finally doing it. Well, I know you, uh, you wrote an article and, and this is something that you, you do quite often and, and make, therefore, the reading a lot more interesting. But you wrote a, 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 an article about Sgt. Pepper's, the song Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band, relating uh, it to the uh, compliance profession. Can you uh, tell us a little bit about the metaphor? Sure. So uh, actually, it's the first of a series of articles, Roy, because that was one of the more most seminal albums of my life. I stared at that album cover for hours um, before I even learned about what other enhancements you might want to listen to music with. And um, I read the lyrics on the back, and I listened to that album for, for hours. But I've always been fascinated by the album cover. So this first blog post, I'm going to do a series over the year and then collect them into uh, to a longer white paper. But the first one really focused on the album. And, uh, you know, the front of the album is, I think, the most iconic uh, album cover ever. And it has a large group of uh, 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 or photographs of a large number of people, some very interesting artwork. So I took a look at the... Um, Really, just the leadership lessons that uh, you might be able to draw from the uh, from the album cover, and I found some really interesting things. And the really the first one was that it uh, it was largely Paul who uh, came up with a concept, uh, but his original concept was uh, uh, more um, abstract art, and he'd done a lot of drawings and uh, worked with artists to help develop um, some drawings. Uh, and that really uh, then they took the, the, that part and used those for the colors. 
the next really interesting thing was it turned out that there had been a Swedish band who about three years before in a tribute album to the Beatles, even in 1964, they were doing already doing Beatles tribute albums. Um, <laughs> they had the, basically the same artwork with a large number of photographs on the, uh, the cover. And it's not really clear whether or not uh, Paul or the Beatles were aware of that. But um, if you look at the two, they're strikingly the same. And the point is there are really um, no new, Ideas and compliance. Uh, the concepts are well known, and, and you talk about them. Uh, you know, in, That's the cave, correct. You, in the cave you used to live in, even they, they were apparent some 25 years ago. So it's really how you synthesize those ideas, and it's how you use the ideas that have been around for so long in new and different business situations. Um, the uh, I was very interested in um, one uh, one part of the story, and the story came from a Rolling Stone album, I should, should cite to the source, because of course when you write a blog, you always want to cite to the source, uh, as we now know. Um, the um, They interviewed, or at least asked questions of some of the people whose pictures were up, and I thought Mae West had the greatest response. When they asked her if she could be on, uh, would be on the album cover, and she did agree, her question was, what would I be doing in a Lonely Hearts Club band? So, you know, seek input from uh, from your stakeholders. So just an, uh, a plethora of, of compliance-related lessons from the album cover. It's uh, I just can't really talk enough about the, the album cover. We haven't even gotten to the music yet, and uh, we're going to get to that because uh, uh, unusual for them, the, the two remaining two left Beatles who are left with us, Ringo Starr and, and Paul McCartney, or Sir Paul McCartney, I should say, are uh, releasing a uh, special edition uh, with a large number of uh, tracks that both didn't make it on the album and uh, preliminary uh, versions of the songs. They're going to have some DVDs, the recording sessions, uh, a mono, uh, original mono recording, uh, which, of course, uh, that's how George Martin recorded all of the Beatles albums, double track to sound, and even by the time of Sgt. Pepper, four track to sound over for the beautiful stereo we have now. So um, as you can tell, I'm a fan of the album. I still think it's the greatest rock and roll album uh, in the world. And there's lots of leadership lessons to learn from uh, that. And, and, you know, we probably need to dedicate an entire podcast yeah. to the all is dead phenomenon, but we'll leave that one for another time. Well, I, I think, I think Tom, one of the things that you said that I think is one of the, you know, I just couldn't agree more with the idea that there's nothing new here. Uh, in compliance, that the, the 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 beauty of the solution that is it's elegantly simple. Unfortunately, a lot of people try and complicate the living heck out of it. Um, but more importantly, what they don't understand is that these are all the tools that were available to us prior to compliance starting. You might ask, well, what's new here? Well, what's new here is a single individual with when set up right the independence, the authority, and accountability to use all the tools at their disposal, audit, investigation, reporting, education, uh, and policies, and so forth, to prevent, find, and fix problems. <clears throat> all these things were here before, but they were not used in an orchestrated, uh, uh, continuous manner. They were siloed. 
and uh, it it wasn't working. And and uh, I I think it's important to understand that because people are trying to make more out of this than there is. This isn't that. <laughs> I think I'm going to get shot for this, but I just don't think preventing, finding, and fixing problems is all that hard if the compliance program is set up correctly. So, uh, but I look forward to another edition of this someday where we uh, talk more about um, <clears throat> the, uh, the 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 metaphor. Um, I, I am, I, 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 you know, you sent me an email before we got on the phone here, and and uh, I'm really eager to hear about your question with regard to AI because I don't know if you had it, don't knew it, but I, I ran into a little AI controversy yesterday on LinkedIn. What was what was your question there? So, well, uh, I saw where you had written on it and given some thoughts, and uh, I've been thinking about it, and I wrote about it, uh, really uh, was inspired to, to think about it and write about it uh, even more this week by yourself. So I just thought we might explore it. Matt Kelly and I talked about it in a podcast. I'm talking to uh, really as many compli- as compliance professionals and compl- compliance practitioners as I can and those in the industry. So just thought we'd see where it might go. Well, here's what happened to me. I just did a little update, kind of a almost Twitter-looking thing on LinkedIn that said some claim that artificial intelligence is going to help compliance and ethics officers and compliance programs. And I said, isn't artificial intelligence what got us into this mess? And as is occasionally the case, I was obtuse enough in my little attempt at humor to confuse some folks. And within about two hours, I looked and I had like nine comments. And some people got the point and commented on it, but a couple of them thought that I meant that artificial intelligence software got us into this mess. And and I just wasn't clear. I totally understand why they were confused. They thought, that I meant that artificial intelligence software got us into this mess. So I immediately clarified it. And I even went so far this morning as <clears throat> to correct the post. I uh, added something. So if anybody reads it now, right underneath it is an explanation. And uh, But it got me to thinking, as as it has you, about about AI. I actually got a personal message from a guy that says, you really need to study AI. And, and I thought, well, yeah, if I, if I meant what you thought I meant, I should, but I'm not opining about AI. But then I remembered that 35 years ago, I wrote some software that might be considered AI. I, I wrote software to collect weather data I was working at the University of Wisconsin right out of college. I wrote, I wrote I, and a professor was the, the the brains behind the thing. But I, I wrote software that collect weather data, and you could predict a blight in potatoes. Blights completely predictable because it won't grow under certain weather conditions, <clears throat> um, but blights will grow. 
uh, under a high humidity, high temperature, and and with this software, this guy uh, professor could uh, predict when blight was coming and warn the farmers. Um, and rather than spray all the time because they didn't know when it was going to come, it uh, they sprayed when they needed it. And uh, so it reduced the amount of blight being or the reduce the amount of chemicals being used. And, and so oddly enough, 35 years ago before AI and being green was cool, I was into AI, not that I knew it, but I was into AI and, and being green. And the, the point is, is that I'm, I'm not completely naive about what AI is and what it could do, <clears throat> but I, I just, would say that I'm sorry, but the, the, the number one thing is it's not going to solve the problems that the major problems that we're having. The AI uh, maybe could have predicted that bogus bank accounts are being set up, but that wasn't the problem. Everybody knew that bogus bank accounts were being not everybody, but enough people in leadership were knew the bogus bank accounts were being set up that they consciously chose not to fix the problem. I mean, what, what are you going to have? A computer in the room that's listening to the conversation during, you know, seven or so leaders who's saying, "Well, we got this problem. What are we going to do? We're going to do nothing." And then the computer starts bleeping and saying, "Danger, danger, Will Robinson." And then leadership's going to say, uh, "Well, thank you, Watson. Uh, we'll uh, get that corrected right away." You know, it's it the the greatest skill of a compliance professional is their interpersonal skills particularly skills like influence, Wells Fargo, Penn State, uh, HealthSouth. There's a whole bunch of, of the major malfunctions that have occurred from a compliance and ethics profession perspective that it just AI – that, 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 that required someone to be in the room at the time that had tremendous interpersonal skills. And even though it was like six to one against them, everybody's saying, don't fix it. The best compliance officers I know are able to provide the facts and the data and paint a picture that this is a bad decision and get the rest of them to go the other way. Just like there's always somebody there occasionally somebody in the room that says we should add this particular product. Six people say no, they provide the data and evidence and then everybody says oh heck yes. We're not the only people that get rejected sometimes. You know, our job is hard. And 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 a lot of times there aren't people in the room who get it. Um, but those who are effective at debate and argument and motivation and influence carry the day. And AI isn't going to do a darn thing for us on that. Now, I think your specific question was better, was an, another angle that I think is really interesting. <clears throat> and that is, it, you, you skipped over that part and you just said, it's probably going to replace some of the mundane tasks of Compliance professionals that are entry level in the trench, folks like uh, I'm aware of, but not I don't know anything about it. There's some software that's considered uh, an AI audit package. Never saw it. Never looked at it. Don't understand. It. Matter of fact, that's what the guy 
about that, that, the guy who was confused about my post about AI said, you got to look at this. And so let's assume that there is a software out there that could aid compliance professionals or the compliance department in automating or making more intelligent the, 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 some of their job, adding artificial intelligence to the compliance officer's toolkit for, and it will probably come first in the more mundane tasks, as you had implied, not nobody's out there trying to write software to listen in on a leadership conversation and then determine that they're going down the wrong path. If that's going to happen, it's going to be a long way down the road. But I'll tell you this, I got into IT about 35 years ago, and they told me that this new computer, this personal computer thing that I was working on was going to create a paperless society. And they're not even in the ballpark of, of being right yet, and it's 35 years later. There, there is a, a, an element of people in IT and in society watching IT that get overly excited about the potential. There is a gap between the time we think that a computer could do something and a computer could a actually do something. It, they're off by decades, and in some cases, a century. And we just have to be a little bit careful about assuming that uh, AI is going to be a huge asset for the compliance department. However, it, it could be out there now, it could be coming shortly, but even if it provided a great deal of relief for the compliance officer, to very specifically answer your question, Tom, we have so much to do and so little time to do it. And, and like many other departments, I'm not complaining, ne never enough resources that AI could come in and make a 20, 25, 30% hit on, uh, or addition to the productivity. In other words, they could replace three people and those three people wouldn't go anywhere. They would be put on tasks that weren't being done, but were desperately needed at that time. So I don't see AI uh, impacting the growth and compliance anytime soon. I hope it's great. I don't know that much about it. I hope it automates a lot. I hope it finds lots of problems. I hope it audit automates auditing or some investigations, but there's just so much of this job that is not currently automatable, <clears throat> such as the example of haggling with uh, uh, leadership uh, about a known problem and having them somehow rationalize not doing anything. So I guess I see uh, really any technological advance that can make uh, work flow more efficiently is something that, uh, if, if, if not embraced, we should certainly investigate and see if it works for um, 
us going forward. And so I coined the term ComTech uh, based on uh, law tech. But what I see in the law with technology is, as I said uh, in a piece entitled AI and Compliance Going Forward, Welcome to ComTech, that uh, some of the more rote tasks that are that are particularly paper or data-driven <laughs> this point lend themselves to an AI, but I would just call that a software approach. Um, I've helped write code. You've helped write code. Uh, I don't consider what I did AI. I consider what I did just coding and, um, you know, developed algorithms which uh, were utilized in software. So um, looking at large numbers of data to see trends, to look at a historical basis, looking at large amounts of data in an M&A transaction, looking at large numbers of files uh, for keyword searches, looking at emails for keyword searches. All of those types of um, uh, exercises, which could be done by a lawyer, which could be done by a compliance professional, which could be done by an individual, is uh, are, are things that can be done more efficiently, more quickly, uh, through the use of some sort of software or program. And that's really where... I see us at right at this point. If there are ways for software programs to be written where they can learn upon themselves, uh, similar to what IBM did with Big Blue in its chess match with Gary Kasparov, that might be a different level. But Big Blue is not learning uh, itself. Big Blue is being reprogrammed on a nightly basis by IBM engineers to learn the moves that were made on that that day of chess. So uh, the the humans were putting those algorithms into the program, and the program was becoming uh, larger, greater, more efficient. Um, so that's where I see uh, kind of where we are now, and, and uh, the human element, the human analysis will always need to be there. But uh, for AI, I see us uh, uh, moving forward with it. I... I uh... And again, with the limited IT background I've had, and I got to tell you, I'm no expert. <clears throat> I just studied it in college for a while as kind of a minor and uh, spent about six years in the field. Um, I, I just couldn't agree more with, with everything you just said. I, I think sometimes we throw around the AI title uh, a little generously that we're just automating a manual process and I don't necessarily consider that AI. Um, over time, I think those guys will get there. I, I, I think there's possibly some way to do it. I just, I just don't see a lot of examples of it today. And frankly, like I said, I've been hearing it for 35 years and I, I will tell you this, you know, that uh, I, I bungled my little AI comment and confused some folks and got corrected and I was able to clarify it. The, the beauty of writing in social media as opposed to uh, monthly magazines, you get immediate feedback and you can straighten the thing out. Um, I, I don't mean to demean the effort and the advances and how far we've come. In, in fact, we, we have... Uh, as you know, these lot of conferences, we have a couple of big ones. Uh, I, I don't know how many vendors are going to be uh, with us this fall, but they have um, maybe 75, I don't know. And, and I think 
not only do I think these things have come a long way and are very helpful, but many of these vendors have them. And I, and I have said this at a few of the last annual meetings in the opening remarks. As compliance professionals, we have an obligation to study the options that are available from the vendors to assist our company to prevent, fine and fix ethical and regulatory problems, particularly given the resource issue, the challenges of never having enough resources. We owe it to our leadership to go in and study these options, these available tools and services. Uh, frankly, I think it's one of the biggest parts of my job as a CEO of this organization is, is not to sit around and try and decide everything myself, but to go find some expert in the field of whatever it is we're trying to do at the moment and bring them in as cost effectively as possible and say, let's get this done. Uh, I think all too many people think I got this, you know, I can do this by myself. I don't need any outside expertise. And, and uh, I would just pick your expertise because you're on the phone. People sitting around trying to sort through the FCPA law, particularly given the international complexity associated with anti-bribery laws, are out of their minds if they don't occasionally bring in an expert like yourself who can sit down in the meeting where they're having this discussion about the education or auditing or things they're doing or regs they're studying in various countries and have you look for those opportunities to tell to 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 get them from falling in a in a hole or 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 send them in the right direction so uh you know i'm not trying to sell anybody's product here i'm i'm just saying that it's a big part of anybody's job in a leadership role is to understand the tools, whether it's AI or anything else available to them, and letting their organization know when they think the return on investment of time and money spent with a particular service or product is so great that they have to do it. And you can't do that if you don't study these things. And, uh, you know, one of the greatest places is, forget our conference, any conference, you know, 80% of conferences have vendors and a lot of people just buzz right by. And I think it's, a, it, it's something that we ought to spend more time on. Many, many great tools out there and uh, we need all the help we can get. Well, Roy, unfortunately, uh, we're at the end of our time, so we're probably going to have to uh, save the rest of our uh, topics for next time. But, but as always, uh, a great uh, conversation, <laughs> and I look forward to continuing it with you. Thank you very, very much, Tom. I really appreciate the opportunity. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Unfair and Unbalanced. I have two requests for you. The first is if you've listened to this podcast on iTunes, we would greatly appreciate it if you would rate the podcast as it would help our rankings and help get the word out about the only podcast that deals with the compliance profession. Also, if you have any questions, please feel free to email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I hope you'll join us again for another episode of Unfair and Unbound. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.